This week's podcast is brought to you by Kensington. The Edge of Lost by acclaimed author Christina McMorris is an epic journey from the islands of Ireland to New York in the 1920s to San Francisco Bay and back again. A young Irish boy emigrates to America with the help of a well-meaning Italian family coming of age in the shadows of Prohibition-era organized crime on the vaudeville circuit and ultimately in the prison island of Alcatraz where he forges an unlikely friendship with a prison guard's daughter changing the course of both their lives. The Edge of Lost is now available everywhere books are sold and at kensingtonbooks.com. Visit christinamcmorris.com for more information. A science story, huh? Is NYU a scientist? They, I, I it felt, felt right. It was that tall. golden moment. Because science was on my side. Hi everyone, I'm Ben Lilly, and welcome to the Story Collider, where we bring you true personal stories about science. We have shows coming up December 9th in New York City and December 16th in Boston. Go to storycollider.org for more information. This week's story is from Rachel Pendergrass. It was recorded in March 2015 at the New American Shakespeare Tavern in Atlanta, Georgia, as part of the Atlanta Science Festival. guys, I'm going to level with you. When I was a little girl, I had a very millennial view of careers. I had this idea that if I got this perfect job, then I would be absolutely thrilled with the rest of my life. Nothing would ever go wrong. I would never work a day in my life. Uh, And I'd always be happy. And these, these dream careers that I would come up with were always connected to something I was curious about at the time. I was a really passionate kid. So I was going to learn every language and travel the world being a translator or I was going to graduate top of my class, go to Columbia, study theoretical physics under Dr. Brian Greene, and he would think that I was so brilliant that he would have brunch with me every Sunday, and we would discuss string theory, or I would uh, become the most imminent Shakespearean performer and perform on stage at a place like the Shakespeare Tavern. This totally counts. Totally counts for me. Uh, or I would get over my crushing fear of tornadoes, and I would become a storm chaser. Don't know how I thought that was going to work out. Uh, Or I was going to become like a a blue-ringed octopus expert and work at an aquarium and be the person everyone came to with their blue-ringed octopus questions. I'm sure you all have pressing blue-ringed octopus questions. So you can imagine my happiness when I find that I am 19 years old, a high school dropout, working as a cashier at a sandwich shop, barely a step above, do you want fries with that? Now, at this point in my life, I used to go on walks with my friends, and uh, a lot of times we would just end up whining about our jobs. I have one friend in particular that I did this the most with. I would whine about being overworked and underpaid in food service, and he would whine about how stressful it was being a manager of the education department at the aquarium. And I really wanted to be like a good, supportive friend. I wanted to like listen and empathize, but I also kind of wanted to punch him in his face, because that was like my dream job, right? And I knew that it would, if I could have a job like that, I would be happy. And I didn't understand how he wasn't happy. So one such walk, he's complaining that it's especially stressful because, you know, they had an intern just kind of not show up, and they're going to busy season, and he's going to have to find a replacement. He doesn't know what he's going to do. And I stop him, and I'm like, dude, buddy, pal, friend, my man, I would, like, literally kill a person for that job. So, you know, just keep that in mind when you're troubleshooting this problem, you know. Uh, So I interviewed for the job with all the other managers. 
I got the internship, the internship led to a job, and once I was there, I found that to a lot of the other people that I was working with, this was just a job. And they would complain about normal job things like pay rates or insurance or the amount of crowds they had to deal with. And I didn't understand. Because to me, even a bad day at the aquarium was like way better than the best day at a sandwich shop, right? Because even on a good day at a sandwich shop, you don't get to hang out with penguins. <laughs> they said, you know, you just don't get it yet. You'll get it. If you stick around long enough, you'll understand. Jobs are jobs. And a week passed, and a month passed, and I started to get it. You know, I, uh, there were cuts to uh, our health care, the crowds. I, I dealt with, like, my 13th parent for the day screaming at me for letting a child too small into lower play, like our play structure, or, you know, I, I, I saw things, I dealt with people. I think the worst thing was, see, there's a special thing you deal with when you work as an educator in a place that's primarily visited for entertainment, and that's that you begin to realize the absolute vast depths of human ignorance. Like, <laughs> you think you get that working in food service, but no, you have no idea. Like, I know where Georgia is like 48th for education, but I physically understand that now. Every day I would be asked, is, is that what happens when a whale does it with a shark? Or I would be standing in front of the stingray touch pool and somebody would come up to me and go, what's that? Oh, it's a southern stingray. They live off the coast of Georgia. Two fingers, you can touch it. So does it like live in water? No, sir, it's just taking a bath. It'll get out later in tap dance. Or the woman who came up to me at the sea otter exhibit and she was like, so that's a koala. <laughs> no, no ma'am, it's an aquatic drop bear. <laughs> Or my all-time favorite, it was college night. Everyone there was a college student, and I had this one boy with two girls on his arm trying to be cool, walk up to me, and he's like, what's the temperature in that water? Sea otters, it's about 60 degrees Fahrenheit, give or take a couple of degrees. What's the temperature in the beluga habitat? It's about 60 degrees Fahrenheit, give or take a couple of degrees. Got anything in here that could live at 30 degrees? Oh yeah, the belugas have been known to live at water that cold, but you know, they'd have to bulk up significantly. Oh really? Oh really? Because water freezes at 32 degrees Fahrenheit. I'm a real scientist. And he just walks off. Salt? Salt water? Coincidentally, it was that day that I kind of realized, maybe college degree is not so hard. I should consider going back and getting one. <laughs> so one day after all of this has happened, my soul has been completely sucked out and my job is just a job. I'm standing at the touch pool and I'm doing my usual touch pull spiel. Just two closed fingers on the backs of the sharks and rays, please. Two closed fingers, sir. I know you have been to elementary school. You at least understand the concept of two. One, two, ah, ah, ah. Closed fingers on the backs of the sharks and rays, please, thank you. And I felt a tug on my leg and I looked down. There was a little blonde, toe-headed kid, seven years old, real cute. I was instantly annoyed because I just knew it was another case where a parent had wandered off to the bathroom and decided to leave their kids for free babysitting via shark. I was going to have to deal with this kid. I look at him and he says, excuse me, ma'am, I have a question. And uh, it's not about sharks, it's about whales. I'm like, okay, I can handle this. Uh, okay, I know about whales. What, what can I help you with, sir? Do you have a pilot whale? Now, this caught me off guard. I'm used to hearing things like, do you have Flipper? Where's Free Willy? Or the one lady who was convinced we had a blue whale last time she was there and we were just hiding it from her. 
but no one ever asks about the lesser loved species like pilot whales. I said, no, no, we don't have a pilot whale. Why? Uh, is that your favorite whale? He says, no, 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 no. I have lots of favorite whales. And he starts to list like 12 whales, only two of which I've heard of. He talks about their average weight, their average range. They're listing on the IUCN red list, their scientific names. Like this kid is the Doogie Howser of whales. And I turned to his dad and I said, you got a smart kid here. He says, I know. I took him whale watching for his sixth birthday. He wouldn't not let me. He's been obsessed with him since he could talk. I looked at the dad. I looked at the kid. I excused myself and I, I walked to the side and I radioed my manager and I got a replacement at the touch pool. And when the replacement got there, I asked them to follow me. And uh, I took the kid and his father up the stairs to the behind the scenes area to the top side of the beluga whale habitat. When that little boy got up there, his eyes were the size of dinner plates. He was vibrating from excitement. He started spouting out every fact he knew about whales as fast as he could. I really couldn't understand most of them, but the ones that I could understand were very interesting. <laughs> and I was just beaming ear to ear because in that moment, I realized there are no dream jobs. There's no job where everything's gonna be perfect all the time. Even if I was a tornado chaser, you know, there's no job where I'm going to be happy 100% of the time, but there are jobs where I can have dream moments that can connect me back to why I wanted that job in the first place, that can connect me back to that little kid who wrote a three-page essay she could recite by heart about why she needed a pet octopus more than anything else in the world. And so for the rest of my time at the aquarium, and since then, going back to school and starting to be a journalist, I've looked for those dream moments. And I found them in the weirdest places, not just kids. I found them in middle-aged bankers. I found them in my professors. I found them in the cashier at the grocery store, in my coworkers, in my classmates. But most importantly, I found them in me. That was Rachel Pendergrass. Rachel is a storyteller, writer, actor, and science communicator native to the Atlanta area. She is a co-producer of Write Club Atlanta and the assistant director of the Dragon Con Science Track. She is the host of the new YouTube science communication comedy series, Your Favorite Animal is a Dick. You can also find her performing at various live literature shows around town and on Dragon Con TV. The Story Collider is produced by me, Brian Wecht, Aaron Barker, Ari Daniel, Christine Gentry, Skylar Bear, and Liz Neely. The podcast is produced by Rose Eveleth. Additional help from Brooke Williams, Lena Groger, and Justin D'Ambrosio. The theme music is by Ghost. Special thanks to the New American Shakespeare Tavern for hosting the show, to everyone at the Atlanta Science Festival for incredible help, and to aquariums for holding all the water. Thanks for listening. <laughs> <laughs>